Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And it, there we go. Hey, what's up? Chris Rostali back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall. And you know what? I feel special. I get to sit down with somebody who I guess you could kind of say is a real life duke of hazard uh, as i discovered that he's from hazard uh actor comedian and well some other things that we're going to be talking about later mr dwight turner dwight how you doing i'm good thank you so much chris for having me on your show and uh yeah I've, I've never heard that one before <laughs> yeah but, but uh yes i did grow up in hazard kentucky and, you know, when people, some people say, like, they grew up in the middle of nowhere. Well, I can actually say I pretty much grew up in, in the mountains of southeastern Kentucky. It was a great way to grow up, a very different way. Did it prepare me for um, life in L.A. and becoming a professional actor? No. But I think, you know, in some ways there, there were a lot of fantastic things about it. Um, and I guess since we're going there, I can say that. Yes, I can talk like this because this is how I grew up talking. Um, and uh, oddly enough, though, I have never been hired for my original accent that I grew up with, except for a project that I did last year. And uh, so that is a project called A Pack, which is coming out later this year. And uh, so for the first time in, in my entire life, I got to uh, I got to use the accent that I grew up with. Well, there you go. I, I imagine, like, I, you know, normally I have a stock question that starts off the conversation, but just the fact that you're from Hazard, Kentucky, and like you said, you went out to California and all, I imagine that had to be a major culture shock. Like like you said, there may be not too many di- uh, dissimilars with, with uh, eclectics, but just, you know, going from farms and open land to the hustle and bustle of the big city of L.A., I imagine it's got to be a, a culture shock. It, it was, um, but I think I adapted pretty well. Um, when, so I, I, I finished college. While I was in college, I did um, a co-op for a semester at uh, Walt Disney World down in Florida. And right. so that was, you know, a fun experience. Maybe prepared me slightly for going to uh, California. Um, but, um, oh, I see a note here saying connection lost. Are you still receiving me? Yeah, I'm still receiving. Everything's fine on my end. Uh, are you Are you still getting me? I see uh, a message up there saying connection lost. Okay, so yeah. um, so basically, I did this co-op at Walt Disney World, and then when I finished college, I uh, immediately moved out to uh, Los Angeles. Um, I moved out there with a a roommate uh, the, from college who yeah. also wanted to pursue an acting career. In, uh, in LA and he lasted a month <laughs> and then he moved back and we had had an agreement that we would stay for a year no matter what he lasted a month I remained um, actually some lucky things happened for me um, 
I became friends with a group of actors and I, one of them had a birthday party. I went to his birthday party. A guy came up to me at the birthday party, said, introduced himself, said, are you an actor? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you know, I'm your friend's agent. I'd like to give you my card. I'd like you to call me. Come see me. I'm going to see if I can get you some work. So I called him up. This was I, on the weekend that I met him, called him up, went to see him on Wednesday. He sent me on my very first professional audition that week. And I landed it. It was a national commercial. I was immediately in SAG. And um, it was a very lucky, very easy way to get started. And I remember at the time I thought, oh my gosh, this is so easy. And then, of course, you realize that it's all not that easy. What was the commercial? It's for a uh, product that's no longer around, but it was called Black Star Beer, if you remember Black Star Beer. I kind of did. And we shot that on the uh, on the back lot of Universal Studios. Oh, and wow. I, I remember thinking, you know, like, wow, here I am. I just moved to L.A. pursuing acting. I uh, booked this, and here I am filming on the uh, back lot of Universal. So it was a good entry. So you went to college. I assume you went you went for uh, uh, I, I don't really know what the co- uh, college courses would be for acting, but I would imagine like drama, communication. I, I didn't actually. Well, communication. Yes, you got it there. I have a B.A. in communication with a radio television emphasis. And um, for a while, I thought I wanted to be a television reporter. And then, you know, I finally decided, no, I really my passion is really in acting. Um, but uh but I did intern with CBS, and I did get to experience a lot of that, uh, and which was absolutely fascinating. And um, I have had a couple of instances where I played re- reporter roles, and uh, and those were a lot of fun as well, kind of taking me back to uh, to that time period. I, I imagine that that kind of helped with uh, for 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 lack of a better term, method of of acting <laughs> or working around. Exactly, exactly. And it also helps with, you know, from time to time. In fact, um, I have a uh, self-tape because we're doing a lot of self-taping right now because of COVID and right. the coronavirus. Uh, so we're taping from home for auditions instead of going in to casting offices. And I have a self-tape for a project that actually stayed on the project. You know, um, uh, let us know if you're proficient with uh, teleprompter and ear prompter. And I am in both those. Okay. Well, that definitely works out. Well, we got to we got to dig in. Now, obviously, you, the, the door opened for you. You got your SAG card uh, and all that from a commercial. But uh, when did you take the transition from commercials to film, actual film, whether whether it be uh, big screen or small screen? Well, that actually happened um, um, fairly quickly. I found out that, you know, you could do like uh, student projects at, at uh, USC, University of Southern California, UCLA. Uh, those are both very, very good schools for film, especially USC. There's also Chapman. Um, and so I kind of, I guess you could think of it as, well, I have trained with, um, with well-known um, acting teachers. I also got a bit of my training from working with these projects with USC and UCLA and Chapman. And um, it's it's been a great experience that I feel has prepared me for anything. (laughs) Because, 
You know, when you're working like, uh, like, like for instance, when I played Dr. Mayberry on Chicago Fire, I mean, that is a completely professional set. Um, everything is clockwork, boom, boom, boom. No real surprises. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Um, with me working with those student projects in the past, sometimes you run into situations where, you know, things, interesting things happen. And right. uh, and I, I, do, I do feel in a lot of ways that it was a, it was a, fun, a lot of fun experiences and a good way to, uh, to get some training and understand how the set works and all that stuff when you're starting out. It's great, and I recommend that to anybody that has the opportunity to do it. Well, I, you, you, you definitely hit the, the nail on the head. One of the things many of my listeners will probably know you the most for, from is Chicago Fire. And so I guess we'll, we'll kind of start there uh, with, with the conversations is uh, one of the first things is how how much ad lib is is in the show? Um, I, I know that some shows it's, it's very much like, you know, you have to say what's written on paper and don't deviate. But other shows actually encourage and one of the ones that comes to mind only because of, you know, the emergency services, I would say, like MASH, for example, where ad lib was kind of encouraged um, well, my experience with the show was that there was not a lot of ad lib and it was it was sticking pretty close to to the script. Um, usually when I have worked with comedies, especially like they stick to the script because there's a timing factor there of, uh, of the comedy and, and what's being said um, with drama, there can be. A bit more ad lib, but in this case, no, we 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 stuck pretty much to the script on that. Okay, all right. So, uh, what are, what are some of your favorite examples of of being on set? Like not just not just acting, but like you said, you pay attention to all things around you. I imagine you're picking up experience on on you know all the things from the copy boy running around with a cup of coffee to the boom handlers and the uh, you know the directors, the producers, the lighters, and so on and so forth. I mean. I could I could create a uh, uh, a credits list at the end of any movie, just listing off everybody who does a job on a on a film set. So, <laughs> how, how much how much do you when you're not on camera performing, are you standing in the background watching what everybody else does, kind of learning? You know, it 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 depends. It depends on the set. It depends on. Um what's happening, how loose the set is, what role you're playing. Um, you know, if you are, and there have been instances where, or, you know, early on in my career where I did uh, uh, some background work, you're not gonna wanna just go hang around the set because you, you know, it's not what you should be doing. But when you're on set, you should be looking, watching, seeing what's happening and learning. But if you have a lead role in the show, sure, you know, you, you can hang around, you can watch what's happening. Um, there is a lot to be learned from a, a professional set. And uh, once again, I mean, you know, anyone out there who is interested in acting gets the opportunity to work with uh, some of these major productions should take in as much as they can from all of that. because. Even if you are 
starting out, hopefully you're going to have a situation in the not too far future where you will be playing a big role. And you don't do not want that to be the time that you're trying to figure out what all of these things happening that sometimes happen very quickly mean. You they want you to know how to hit your mark, to know when they're calling out the various things what those mean so that there's no, no confusion. You know, right. they told you to go back to one, you know what back to one is. And for anyone out there who doesn't know what back to one is, that means that like when you finish um, a scene, um, you, you'll usually hear either moving on, which means they got what they needed and they're ready to uh, to go to the next um, um, the next piece, or you'll hear back to one, which means reset, go back to where you started before. We're going to do exactly the same thing again. Right. Right. I, 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 I've, I've picked that up watching uh, documentaries. Again, I've got no experience. The closest experience I have to acting is uh, I one time played a, a mumbling zombie in a, in a haunted house. I mean, you know, <laughs> pro wrestling, I mean, the character was just an amped up version of myself anyway, so that wasn't really acting. So that, that's probably the closest I've ever done. But I would, I would think, though, Chris, that uh, that. Uh, professional wrestling ha has an element of performance as well. You know, you, you've got an audience there. You're, you're presenting, you know, yourself to that audience. So, you know, in, in some ways, you are... You're, you're right. I, I actually said this in, the, in an interview I did earlier today. Um, uh, there, is, there is a performance act, acting and performance in it. Like I said, you're playing a character. You're either the good guy or the bad guy, and you're trying to sell that to the crowd and, uh, right live. But in reality, I think pro wrestling, the best way you can describe it, especially in like a, a film role, we're stuntmen. <laughs> you know, you know um, we, we are, are, are on stage performance is performing stunts for, for the crowd. So... You know, we're we're more stuntmen than actors, especially if you watch some of the old '80s wrestlers and the uh, you know the ooh yeah type type wrestlers. <laughs> like actors as as just that was the personality to do the stunts. Yeah, you know? but uh, you know, I I do know some of the the lingo just from watching like documentaries and behind the scenes stuff and and all and talking to fine gentlemen like yourself, you know, um and ladies. So I, I've picked up some of that lingo. So yeah, I know I know what uh, back to one is, but I, I love I love hearing some of the some of the things that happen. Like uh, I've always loved hearing about bloopers. Uh, I mean, those are always great stories as a wrestler. You know, you talk about that. You never you never want to remember when you're doing it live because like oh god, I screwed up. But you know, twenty years later, you can laugh about it. But I always love you know when I put up put on a DVD, for example, I love finding the uh, the outtakes real. You know, in, in the uh, special feature. So, what about oh, you? Yeah. Like someone, someone, someone leaves a uh, like a Starbucks cup sitting somewhere, and it and it's viewable, or or someone Damn. like you know, it's a period piece, and someone has a watch or something on that didn't exist during that time period, or you know, um, one of my favorites is is when <laughs> you're watching something, and oh, this is a bad one. And and the person's hair looks a certain way, and it's in the same scene, but it goes to a different cut, and and their hair's like you can tell it's different. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, those things do happen. Usually, you know, the the bigger the project, 
the less that happens because you have more people who are paying attention to all those details. And uh, that continuity person is very important. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not just that. I mean, like the flubs that happen, like the tongue tie or forgetting a line or, you know, you, you, most comedies that, that pick on acting is always like, yeah. line, yeah, that's it, you know, type deal. <laughs> well, so, and, and you know, sometimes like little flubs like that can end up in the project because they like it. You know, it adds an unexpected element and the, then the reaction to it, you know, uh, good acting is also reacting. And so um, if something happens and it, and it catches you off guard and you just go with it and interesting things can happen and that can end up in the project. Um, you know, I've had instances in, in my career where I've said to the director, I said, you know, I said, look, look I'm just going to try something. Is that okay? And, and they say, yeah, it's not in the script. It's, but they ended up using it because, you know, they felt that it was added an interesting element to the project. Right. Sorry about that. Uh, random number, probably a telemarketer telling me my car. <laughs> <laughs> talking about flubs so uh anyway yeah hey, that was perfect that was perfect <laughs> so anyway like uh like like we were saying like besides chicago fire you do have a a, a a litany of things you've been in both big and small screen where do you find yourself more comfortable working on a, a television state uh studio stage or or doing the bigger productions for for big screen well um a good question i love working in film because you have the extra time you have you have the time to really perfect things um when you're working in television sometimes it can be a little bit more you know so film gives you a little bit more to play with i like that i also like drama but see here's the thing I work in film, I work in television, I work in drama, I work in comedy. So, uh, I, I, you know, early on in my career, I had uh, a couple of people say, you know, pick, you know, pick what you really want to do. And uh, they wanted to push me in one direction. But I was like, no, you know, I like both of these. I like drama, I like comedy as well. And I have worked in both. Um, but I would say, for me, if I had to pick one, I'd say a really, really well-written drama. That, yeah. Well, see, that, that was going to be the next question I was going to ask you was uh, obviously the drama and the comedy. Uh, is there any other format you would like to, if you haven't explored yet, go into? But you, you brought up a question that kind of changed, or brought up a statement that kind of changed my question a little bit. How is it a bad thing if, if somebody explores around? Didn't, didn't actors back in the golden age, if you will, of, of, uh, of film, didn't they thrive on doing so many different genres? Like the, the comedian, actor, and police academy winds up in a horror movie, and nobody batted an eye because he was that good of an actor. Well, and it's kind of come back to that. But we're talking, you know, a number of years back. There was a time period where if you worked in film, you didn't work in television. Right. If, and that has changed. And actually, I feel that things have gotten a lot better in, uh, in recent years with people crossing over from film to television, from drama to comedy. Because I think the, the 
public, the general public has realized more that uh, as people have crossed over that, you know, hey, if you're an actor and, and you can do those things, why not? Why not? No, absolutely. And I, I definitely think an appeal to, uh, to, uh, to the smaller screen, to, to, to TV has, has, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, please, but uh, I, think, I think that's really escalated for a lot of actors and actresses because, uh, since the advent of streaming services has really brought, you know, episodic serial-style television back to high, uh, highlight, and then you throw in shows like, you know, Sons of Anarchy and, and The Walking Dead and the big, obviously, Game of Thrones really proved that you could have a, a feature film budgeted show and be successful. Absolutely. And there, there are some amazing shows on. Um, you know, it, it, you just brought up something that that's, is really interesting. How far things have changed or how much things have changed in recent years. You know, you had a time period where you had the networks and you had, you know, films appearing in theaters. Right. And the boundaries, especially recently with the whole um, coronavirus situation, now you have studios releasing feature films directly to streaming, which is a, is a new situation. I mean, major, we're talking major features coming out going directly to streaming because it's what they have to do now. Now, the big question is, is when we hopefully sooner rather than later get to a point of where we're able to go back into the theaters again, um, will that still happen? Will things be released? You know, you know what? I've, I've, had, I've had that question on my mind for a lot, long time because uh, theoretically people nowadays have... have huge TVs and, and access to huge TVs or projectors that they can, you know, screen their movie or, or TV show out in their backyard. My, my brother-in-law has a projector and a, and a screen out in his backyard. We watch Game of Thrones that, that way. You know, we throw a fire pit in front of them all, kind of added first in. I would almost think that in, uh, stream direct-to-stream would almost be like the the next evolution for, for a big film release. However, and I say that I say a big, however, I think the big summer blockbuster and the event epic movies, uh, for example, like star Wars or the next phase of Marvel as a perfect example, I don't, I don't think it would be fitting anywhere outside of the theater. I agree with you. If I'm, am watching a movie like that, I want to see it in the theater with the big screen with the incredible sound. Um, but we're in a situation right now where that, you know, is difficult. And so it's the necessity of the situation, which hopefully eventually will will be back in the theaters and everyone will be able to sit down, and enjoy their popcorn and see things on the big screen again. Look, there's an opportunity here. I'm going to say it for everybody here, folks. There's an opportunity. I've got the happy medium where you can have the big theater atmosphere feel even during this time of, of COVID where everybody's got to be socially distant and, and separated, bring back the drive-in theater. <laughs> and they are, they are. The, the, have you heard about this? There are drive-ins opening in various places. Are there people are going back. Nice. 
because then you can isolate in your car, but you still get that big event feel sitting there in front of the screen, seeing the movie from the comfort of your vehicle, unless you have a Jeep, in which case. (laughs) (laughs) And and hopefully you have a very good uh, uh, sound system in your car. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that the hell they're doing it now? They're Bluetoothing it into the cars. They're not it, doing it. exactly. They're 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 feeding it directly into the car. Were you yeah. thinking of those little things that you used to? Yeah, the like, little s- s- <laughs> 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 That's awesome. That I'm happy to hear it. I think I think that was a lost tradition for for many years. Like I've heard stories like my mother telling me about seeing like you know Star Wars or the first Star Trek or Jaws in a drive-in theater. And I'm like, how come I never got to go to a drive-in theater? And I'm, you know, understand, I was born in 77, so it's not like I'm a spring chicken. But, like, they were dying out even when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> and it's like, it seemed to me like a very lost art. That, that you, I, you just mentioned Jaws, you know, they just had their anniversary. Oh, 45 years. Yeah, and I actually watched it the other day because of that. And I, I remember being a little kid. And seeing that, and it scared the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, watching it as an adult, it's so well done. I mean, Steven Spielberg. It's right. so well done that, you know, you still, even though you've seen it before, you know what's going to happen. It's still like there are points where it's like, oh. I'll t- I tell you what, I, this, is a, this is an honest to God true story. I saw the movie when I was five years old in 1982. That's when my family finally let me watch Jaws. And... It scared the living daylights out of me. It did spark an interest in marine biology, particularly in sharks. I was very, very fascinated by the shark itself. But the movie scared me so bad, I stopped taking baths and started taking showers because I was afraid Jaws would come up through the drain and be in that little bit of water. You know, a five-year-old kid, but I'd never forget that. That movie scared the living hell out of me, but gave me such a love affair for marine biology, particularly in sharks. You know, and it, it's a weird concept. And I still stand by it. It's a, it's a Facebook meme, but I still stand by for the 50th anniversary, re-release Jaws, but release it over lakes or, or rivers or whatever else with tied up boats, the big screen on the on the water. <laughs> that, that added element of reality. Yes, it. <laughs> so, um... Obviously, like some of the questions, I, 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 we were talking off air a little bit, and I'm going to let you lead, lead this so that way I don't spoil anything that shouldn't be spoiled. Uh, but obviously, you're stepping out of the film and, and, uh, and uh, 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 television, that's the word I was looking for, television uh, realm for a little bit. You have a new project coming up. Oh, I do. This is, I mean, I had two very interesting occurrences this year. Um, The first, which is the one you're not referring to, is um, I was hired for a high fashion runway show. So I've done lifestyle modeling and modeling for companies, but high fashion runway is a completely different animal. So that was a, a surprise to me. Unfortunately, the show was canceled because of COVID, it right. may happen later. Uh, we're we're waiting to find that out. But the other interesting and first for me, uh, while I've done stage uh, uh, work, I have never done a musical. Now I can sing. I am not trained in that way. Right. I am not great at reading music, and I've never done a musical. And I have been cast 
in the lead romantic role in a musical uh, where the uh, composer currently has a show running off Broadway, which is not running at the moment because of COVID, right. but, uh, but currently has a show that's there. Um, and then the director producer uh, is award winning in himself. And uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting situation. My goal is to be completely professional and do a fantastic job for them. Right. But here I am in a situation where, you know, I'm very comfortable with acting. I get butterflies, but it's not like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's energy butterflies. With this, because it's so different, so new, wow. It's, yeah, it's, it gives me some of those feelings like a, a back when I was first starting out at acting. But I am loving every minute of it and very uh, appreciative for this interesting opportunity. Well, you say you say this is a a romance. Is it? Um, I had seen a, uh, a sing uh, sing singing play uh, in Denver, Colorado, years ago called "I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change," and it, it was a, it was a romantic comedy, and it was a musical. It was a musical play on stage. It was very low budget. It was you know uh, I, I'd almost say college level, but it was it was a really cool show. Um, with with what you're preparing to do now, is it is it straight romance? Like is it or be yeah, like a romp well, or I actually have the uh, the script here. It's right. uh, it's called A Day at the White House, and uh, so it's it's political. Um, it has political elements to it, but there is also this uh, this romantic journey that I am a part of within it. And uh, and the original idea was to sort of uh, bring this show up during the election cycle, but of course that can't happen now because of COVID, you can't have audiences uh, for theater. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a cast recording, we're going to do a live radio version, and then eventually when audiences can go back to the theater, it's going to, uh, to go up. And uh, I hope that that's sooner than later, but we shall see. Absolutely. Well, without spoiling it, because that, that, this is kind of interesting to me, and it does lead into a question of, of like, uh, which do you prefer as far as like the medium in, in in performing in front of an audience as opposed to performing in front of just a camera? Uh, but this particular thing is, is fascinating to me. Without spoiling too much, you, you, you say it is a political thing about the White House. Are you like President Kennedy and meeting Marilyn Monroe? Like, like... <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, <clears throat> if you could talk about it, you can't spoil it. Yeah, I can't, I can't say too much about it because I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. But let's just say that I work directly for the president. Okay. All right, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And, 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 and my love interest works directly for the president. One would say directly underneath the press. I'm sorry. Now, besides these things, you were telling me about a couple other projects as well uh, that obviously were kind of put on hold because of COVID and all as well. Yes. Uh, 
any of them that you'd like to talk about. Uh, again, I'm leaving it in your hands, so that way I don't mention one. Yeah, else. there's only uh, – so so I did mention the pack, which is uh, something that's going to come out later this year. Um, there is a series. Unfortunately, I cannot um, uh, say to – I don't know what I'm at liberty to say about the series, right. except that it stars a very well-known star of a former series that's been on uh, on television. Um they do have me listed as rumored on IMDb. So if you go to imdb.me slash Dwight Turner, uh, you may be able to figure that out. That's about all I can say. But uh, hopefully this situation with filming, you know, will be resolved. I know SAG-AFTRA has been working with productions and trying to get things figured out so that we can safely go back to work. Um and uh, so hopefully sooner, once again, sooner rather than later, there was a film that uh, I was supposed to go to California, so to California and shoot. That's been affected right. by, uh, by the pandemic. And so, you know, and I mentioned the runway show. That's another thing that's been affected by the pandemic. You know, it's, very, it's, a, it's a very interesting time for, um, for everyone. Um, for actors you know i'm i love people i love performing so to have that taken away for a while has been difficult but you know there are plenty of other people in other situations where it's also difficult for them and i just hope 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 that we can get to a point where we're all past this right well that 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 does raise an interesting question especially with so many of your projects being put on 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 back burner due to the covid crisis and what have you done uh with yourself to kind of pass the time until you could finally get back to the swing of things it's been very interesting so everything is has pretty much moved online now uh auditions have started back again and um you know, there I've been in callbacks for a, a feature film, and it's a lead role, so it would certainly be an amazing opportunity for me if I do land this. Uh-huh. Um, the call, everything has been online with that process. Um, I haven't actually auditioned in person since early March. Oh, wow, so that tells you how long that's been. Uh, everything at a certain point went online. And so we do what's called self-tapes, which is where, you know, I have a a place set up at home where I receive the instructions, the sides, how they want it taped, all of that. And then that is sent out to casting. And from there, you know, if it goes into callbacks, then once again, that comes back and they make adjustments and they say, okay, you know, do this and this or use these different sides. And and, uh, and you go through that process. The biggest disadvantage with that is when you are in the room, you can make adjustments right there and casting can, or there's, you know, if the director is in the room, um, they, they can instantly give you direction to see how you take it, which is usually you, when you're in an audition and they are asking you to do it different ways, it's not because they don't like what you're doing. They do. That's why they're taking the time. They want to see 
okay, how can you take an adjustment? How can you do this differently so that they know when they're on set and they're asking for adjustments that you can do that? Right. Um, I guess one way that you can think of it, though, is everyone is in this situation. So it's not just me that has to do everything from home now. It's, it's basically everyone. So you're, you're kind of on a level playing field in that aspect. I, I would imagine, and, and again, I'm, I'm far this thing from, a, from an actor on the planet, but I would imagine one of the, the worst things about doing the online uh, uh, auditions and performances is kind of the human factor, and, and not necessarily in the fact of like having the director direct you or whatever, but uh, don't you normally do line readings bouncing off of somebody that's usually there to, as a stand-in type uh, type person if you're practicing like a dialogue scene or something like that? I would well, imagine. Yes. And so, well, it goes even, even more so. Think of it like this. Usually in the past, if I, if I were self-taping at home, I could call someone and have them come in and read with me. And, and so, you know, you have a reader who is off camera reading the lines to you. You're going back and forth, filming that, and then sending it to casting when, when you're self-taping. The situation now has been, you know, because of COVID, you, you can't really bring people in. Now, that's loosening up, obviously. But we uh, shall see with the way things have been spiking recently, though. But, um, but what's been happening is I, I've been having people do that by phone. So they, you literally, you set up your camera and everything. And then with another device, you give, have them with voice. And so they're in the background. You miss out on that element of seeing their face, seeing their eyes while you're working back and forth. And that's right. very important to an actor. So it complicates things. It makes it a little bit harder. But once again, you know, unless you're lucky enough to be in a situation where where you are living with another actor, you know, everyone's kind of been in that same situation. But that that that's kind of where I was thinking with it. Like even even if we were like uh, for for example, you were trying out for well, you asked me to be your reader, so I've got this script and I'm like reading uh blank person number two and Chris you were so good no, thank you I appreciate it <laughs> and I mean you know I'm reading that off and I, I imagine because I'm not an actor I'm just trying to help help you in the audition it probably throws you off that I'm not reading it with the inflections and the, and the the personality that the that the character that that's supposed to be bouncing off your character should have I imagine that kind of messes with the dynamic a, a little bit as well well, you have to, that's a situation that you just, through experience, you, you just deal with. Right. Uh, we, we call that cardboard. You know, when you have a, a person who's reading with you and like, say, they're, they're, they're saying a, a, a line that's, you know, very urgent, like, uh, like, please help him. I think he's having a heart attack, you know, and then the person's reading it with you and they're like, Please help him. I think he's having a heart attack. <laughs> you, know, you need to react to that as if they, you know, meant it. And you just, you just have to do it. You just have to be able to do that. <laughs> but believe me, that has happened plenty of times. <laughs> oh yes, baby, right? Oh, <laughs> that's a whole different movie. <laughs> well, you know, I, 
know with with the stepping with stepping into the, the uh, romance uh, musical on stage and and some of the other projects that you're talking about, what's next for you when everything wakes up? Besides the projects we talk about, like what what do you see yourself doing in the future? You you you're still going to be uh, you know auditioning for for the same you know comedies and and dramas, TV and movies, or you're going to go look towards more uh, film or uh, not film uh, stage. Are you going to be maybe branching off into a different uh, direction of genre of film? Hell, maybe even try your hand at writing, producing, directing. What, what's, what's the future for Dwight Turner? Well, you know, you, it's interesting that you mentioned production. And I, this, uh, there's not a lot of information out there on this, but I used to work at Warner Brothers. And, uh, and uh, so I was an online producer and worked with a number of shows for uh, what was originally called Entertainum, then it became Warner Brothers Online. Um, a very interesting experience. Um, so who knows? At some point, I may move back into production. I have been asked to uh, help with producing it at different points. I have turned that down because I didn't feel it was the right situation. But I certainly have been there in the past, could certainly go there in the future. Um, I love science fiction. I would love to do a fantastic science fiction project. So we'll see what happens there. I love uh, also the fantasy uh, genre. Okay. Good drama. Um, I, you know, I, I do voiceover. That's something that I've been looking at more so. Uh, the whole musical thing we, we shall see where that goes who knows i'm i'm like a, a like a sponge i take it all in and then we we you know see uh see what happens i don't rule i never rule anything out and a good project is a good project right a well-written project no matter what genre if it strikes a chord with me if i read that project and i am like I, I see my I can see myself playing this role. It means something to me. And I think it could therefore mean something to the audience. Then I'm very interested. If it's a science fiction project where I'm, you know, you know, I'm talking about science fiction, it comes in and it's just like I read it and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Then yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> another reboot to Journey of the Center of the Earth? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, like it's funny when you mention science fiction. I'm a huge science fiction nerd, Star Wars, Star Trek, all day. Um, but you know, uh, the person that we can't talk about right now. When you when you thought about it, I didn't think of the show that you mentioned. I thought of his other show, his sci-fi show that didn't last too long. But I actually, oh, enjoyed- okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love being in the know. <laughs> I feel smart that I I know the answer, but I can't say it. But I mean, you know, uh, I, I thought it was funny when you mentioned that was the first thing that popped in my head. It wasn't the actual known show. It was the science fiction show. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, for you, would you want uh, – we'll, we'll use science fiction for an example. You, you get offered a role, a script in, into a science fiction show. Would you want it to be – the next Star Wars or Star Trek film, or would you want it to be something that's completely new and original, something that's never been the next Alien-style film, if you will? Oh, I, I would be open 
to to both of course being a, a part of star wars i mean yeah <laughs> who wouldn't want yeah yes seriously but uh but yeah a, a brand new uh a project well written oh sure i would be very interested yeah absolutely yeah i've been quoted on numerous occasions uh, i would love to be an extra in a star wars film let me be a Jedi that dies in the background somewhere. You don't even have to pay me to see me take the problem. I want to walk into a Target one day and see my character with a character name as a three and a half inch figure one day. That's all I want. Now, wouldn't that be interesting? That yes, that uh, that that's that's when you know you have become a part of fandom when when you have a little character on the shelves in a toy store little figure yeah like uh like uh what was it uh when if you ever watched et in 1982 uh the scene where elliot is showing et his star wars figures he's, he's naming them all off here's lando calrissian here's boba fett here's this here's this and he holds up the uh ethorian character which <laughs> fat-headed character far scene and, and the new hope they said here's hammerhead that's how old E.T. Uh, e. was, is they didn't name that character yet. They went back and named him later. He was just Hammerhead back then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Fandom demanded that everybody had to have a name. So Hammerhead became, I, I don't even know what the character's name became. But if you look it up, yeah, Hammerhead from, from the cantina scene was a figurine just named Hammerhead. And then years later, I think in 97, during a special edition, they actually gave the character a name. <laughs> wow. Well, now with all the marketing that goes on with these projects, you can bet everything has, a, you know, uh, like is well, very well thought out uh, at, at this point. But going back to then, I mean, look, look, Star Wars was really, I mean, that was one of the first films like that where you had all of this merchandise and marketing that came from it well that was that was the genius of lucas that was the genius yeah. that, that nobody believed in the project nobody believed in the film and he was able to sell off enough of it to to turn around and, and hold on to the merchandising rights and like like he said in many documentaries i i've watched he said i'm gonna sell this movie through merchandise there's gonna be t-shirts there's gonna be posters i'm gonna make the money back this way if nothing else you know <laughs> well he certainly had something else he made the money back and more oh yeah oh yeah you know so but yeah no you're you're absolutely right like any 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 film in science fiction i think would be a great film i mean within reason if anybody wants to do battlefield earth 2 yeah pass but i mean you know <laughs> what oh five no i'm good um you know but <laughs> But, I mean, you know, I, I could definitely see that for you. The question I've got to ask you, and it's the question I ask all actors, actually I ask all my guests in, in their field. Somebody is listening to this podcast right now. They have aspirations and dreams of being an actor, you know, or whether stage or, or screen actor. What advice would you give them for starting? Well, first and foremost, I would say, you know, figure out if you really love it. Like, why, 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 what is your reasoning behind doing it? Because a lot of people, and I, I mean a lot, come into it for 
a period. Could be a year, might even be a couple of years. Uh, a lot of people move out to L.A. And they have ideas in their head of just becoming a, a, a star. And that can happen. You know, it's rare, but it can happen. Um, right. Usually people who stay in it for more than three years may be in it for the long run. That's been my experience. It's that three-year period. If people stay in it longer than that, then they're, they're serious about it. Um, get some good training. Get a support group. People around you who are supportive of what you're doing. Right. And if you can, find a mentor. L learn your craft. The, yes, there in acting, there is certainly an element of talent. Right. That, that comes with it. And people generally have a, a certain amount of talent with it or they don't. But you can, whatever level of talent that you have, you can take that and expand upon it and make it better. Right. Uh, watch, uh, if you're interested in um, uh, certain things, like if you're interested in voiceover, listen to voiceovers. If you're uh, interested in uh, uh, dramatic television, watch those shows. If you're interested in uh, uh, Broadway, Go see those Broadway shows. Experience what it is that you're wanting to do. That will help you. Um, but one of the main things I think, this is just me personally, is I think if you really love it, you'll figure it out. You will figure out how to do it. No matter if you come from Hazard, Kentucky. You will figure it out. <laughs> Seriously, you'll figure it out. Uh, so don't be discouraged because of where you are. You may not be growing up in Los Angeles. You may not be growing up in New York, Chicago, Atlanta. Yes, that can have some effect. But if you really love it, you'll, you'll figure it out and you'll figure out how to get there. And hopefully you will have people around you, like I said, that support group and parents and who will help you and realize that you do love it. Well, I mean, I imagine it's not too dissimilar from wrestling and the fact that I was, uh, one of the advices I think I would give, and you know, I'm curious if you would agree with this or not, is watch your stuff too, but don't watch it to be like, oh, I'm so amazing and awesome. I used yeah. to watch my matches and I was my worst critic. I would pick apart everything, but however, I would do that purposely so that way I went to training the next day or whatever else and worked on what I saw wrong. I, I watch everything I do. Okay. I, and I, I probably will go back and watch this interview uh, <laughs> just to <laughs> kind of see, you know, like why, you know, why, why can I do better? How can I, how can I improve? Um, but it's also odd watching yourself and that never changes. When usually when I'm and it's different, obviously doing a doing an interview, but when I am playing a role, I get caught up in that role and I become that character. So when I'm watching it, it's almost like I'm watching someone else. If right. that makes sense. And uh, so, so it was interesting though. I did an interview recently where um, they played 
a, a series of clips from projects that I had done. And right. it was, and then, you know, it comes back to you and you're like, oh, because you get in those moments, like what happens to, to me is like, as I'm watching all those scenes, I like, I go back there for a moment and I'm thinking of what was like running through my mind when I was playing that scene and stuff. And so you start feeling the emotions of it because as actors, we are emotional beings. Right. And, uh, and so I straight, you know, you're like watching it and you get, you, you sort of relive that for the moment and then it goes back to you and it's like, boom. And it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I do. I watch every single thing that I do. And some actors do not and cannot, they refuse. They will not watch their own work. Um, I, I, I think for me, you know, and, and each person is different. I think for me, it's important to, uh, to take a look at what I did and how I did it. Right. Because without doing that, I might do something again that I may not, you know, want. Like, like, oh, like, why am I blinking too much? Or, you know, just something that, that most people might not even think about or notice. Right. But that I want to correct. No, absolutely. And, and that, that's, that's why I threw it in there. That's, that's actually, as many times I've asked the question, I've never once used that comparison, is that I, I would definitely say, look at your own look at your own body of work see it not only see how you progress but see where you can improve absolutely yeah uh, and that comes from somebody who's a complete nobody <laughs> nobody chris <laughs> father loves me <laughs> oh. <laughs> where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you uh whether it be producers directors somebody like that or even somebody that may have a question that i didn't ask um, well, you can reach me. So, so if you go to DwightTurner.com, that's, that's my website. You can uh, find out things that are happening, um, news for things that are coming out or have happened, or, and there are clips on there. there there's, there's a good amount of information. And there's also a link to my email on there uh, where they can contact me. They can also con uh, contact me directly. Uh, I, I think there's a form to fill out for the email there. They can also contact me at Dwight Turner uh, or Dwight at DwightTurner.com. DwightTurner.com. Um, you can also, they can go to my IMDb page. Uh, I mentioned that once before, uh, imdb.me forward slash Dwight Turner. And they can see, you know, what's happening, what's coming up. Um, they can go to Facebook. So if you go to facebook.com forward slash actor Dwight Turner, that's my professional page that also lists things that are happening with my acting career. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash actor Dwight. Okay. I feel like I have like too much social media. Um, <laughs> in, in, Instagram.com forward slash actor Dwight Turner. And then I guess last, last for um, the more professional side is LinkedIn.com. And I'm listed there as actor Dwight Turner as well. All right, perfect. And guys, of course, right here, breaking the fourth wall. If you enjoyed this episode, any capacity, hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts from Only Miss Entertainment. And if you prefer your podcast, all the only format, don't worry, we got you covered. Just check out Realm of Miss Entertainment. 
on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and most recently, we have joined iHeartRadio. So, guys, you can find us anywhere quality podcasts can be heard. I want to thank my guest, Dwight Turner. I've had an absolute blast, and when this COVID crisis is over and you start getting back on track and can talk about these projects, I would love to have you back. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It has been a pleasure. Absolutely. And guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night. And Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.